0: Welcome to the 15-Minute Juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally-derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off.
1: Another episode of The
0: Juice,
1: 15-Minute Juice.
0: I know, it's been a while. I've been working on so many projects that now we're finally getting back into getting these out, you know, some some tidbits of information, answering some hot topic questions, you know, start rolling these out, getting some... Things
1: going, yeah. We had uh, we had a hot topic last week that you know really caught fire on the Facebook pages and things like that. Um, but I have another one for you tonight. Very interesting. You know, I like to follow up, follow up with all my patients and, and see how they're doing, especially if they're not in physical therapy with you. That does happen where they come to see me and they're they're not coming directly from you. So I just did a checkup. Hey, you know, how's your daughter doing? And I get well. She can't get full extension on her knee yet, and there is some swelling. Right after she said that, she sends me a video of her daughter doing burpees in a PT clinic, kicking a ball, and then reacting to something on the wall. And I was completely confused. I'm like, wait a second. How many many weeks post-op is your daughter again? Nine. Nine weeks. Please for everyone out there that's watching and listening to us, because we are catching fire here with the stuff that we're doing. My hair's on fire. My hair's on fire, dude.
0: <laughs> it's all burned off. It's it's
1: all burned off. It's all burned off, man. What <laughs> what are you doing with your athletes at nine weeks? Please tell me, well, you don't even have to tell me. Cause I know I see it all the time. You're not having, you're, I've never seen you give a burpee to anyone, nor have I done that with any of the ACL athletes, but, but for the audience here, give me some give me some background on where an athlete would be at nine weeks and what you'd be doing with them.
0: Yeah, oh man, I mean, you know, the burpee is uh, that's a really dynamic movement. Uh, you know, that really caught so much fire with the CrossFit Spartan Race. Really, Spartan Race loves the burpees, and even then, you have a lot of these high endurance athletes that don't even really do them right. They're just doing them to get them done. Also, because it's a penalty in that sport that usually you do it so it just became this culture of doing some type of dynamic movement for a lot of reps or, you know, it was like a hit workout thing. Um, A lot of the, a lot of these kids just cannot demonstrate the ability to do that because there's prerequisites that need to be done before executing the burpee. So, you know, at nine weeks, we're really still running through a lot of the functional movement patterns. I mean, we use the Core training system to get them to understand the neuromuscular control and the feedback controlling the spine a lot of them have a lot of the, you know, side bending that happens, a lot of rotation at, at the pelvis, uh, you know, sort of core helps them understand that and then getting them off that and seeing can they replicate that movement, just body weight alone. And you can see what a lot of them just having them do the body weight movements, their legs are shaking and they're tired. You know, I, I also use the blood flow restriction on there. But but besides that, I mean, it's just the, the time un, under tension of them doing these movements I've never done before. I've just Understanding how to move their body, they're getting some tremor and some fatigue. So we're really cycling through a lot of those foundational components of uh, understanding proper single leg control. You know, even just on a stable surface, you know. And then when they're good with that, we get them on a non-compliant surface like an AirX pad, or even just challenging them with some weight, or even a lot of them just holding the single leg for 60 seconds. After 40 seconds, they do a side shift because yep. they start to fatigue out a little bit. So Really hammering that foundation before we get to some of the flashy, flashy stuff. And then when that foundation is good, then you go to the neurocognitive, you know, things when they're not having to hyper focus on their movement quality so much or using the mirror feedback or requiring my hands on to get them the feel for the movement. And they could just get down and do a lunge and do a squat. And it looks good. Then you add in that other neurocognitive stuff where they could, you know, focus on something else while doing the movement because they've taught their body and they trust that their body will do it you know clean healthy movement you know so yeah nine weeks there's really not a lot of kids that are able to do that just because they haven't had the exposure and that's the reason why they're having an injury in the first place but you know back all that up even if you had a really really high level kid that I don't know all of a sudden you know maybe took a, a contact injury for an ACL something like that you know and they're working in um you know if they uh have swelling that's a red flag and if they don't have full mobility that's a red flag so you could have a knee that goes straight and gets full extension when you push on it so the range of motion is good but then you watch and they walk and they might have a limp or they're not able to move the knee into that motion that's a motor control issue so some of it's from a habit and some of it is from they just aren't getting the muscles to actually extend the knee in that position so even though they can get it straight on the table, that's one thing, but they have to have the muscles do it for them as well in those shapes and positions. So the fact that those two foundational things are deficient, especially at nine weeks, that's a red flag. So why would you add in a plyometric movement number one? Yep. You know, a neurocognitive drill number two, and then adding in a very compound plyometric movement, a burpee and you could even see in the video she's compensating she's favoring that knee yep. she doesn't feel confident and the pt is standing right there standing with his foot on a soccer ball with his arms crossed watching yep that tells me that he doesn't understand what he's looking looking for he doesn't know what he's doing and he's just doing stuff to do stuff and that's very scary yep. If that was my daughter i'd be pissed off yep. you know and i would i would get her out of there and unfortunately you know this is what you see in some of these facilities where you have these pt's just you know taking you know kids do stuff who don't know any better and they're just doing stuff well nine weeks sounds a good amount of time so let's just do it
1: right like we talked about before when we've had interviewed some of the surgeons you know there's time based and there's criteria based and i explained to the mom like typically what they'll do is they'll tell you the next step is you know 12 weeks for your biodex and then 16 weeks uh you'll be able to run like, but yet she hasn't met the real metrics clearly from the video.
0: And I, and, yeah, I'm going to pull up the video now. Keep going. You know,
1: I mean, it's so w- with her, she's, she's kicking a ball, you know, again, I don't ever have, I, well, first of off, I don't really see them at nine weeks. I don't see them until, you know, as 12 weeks, but even at 16 weeks, they're not, most of these kids are not ready to do that. Again, everybody's a case by case. This girl is a, uh, I believe she's 16, right. With no strength foundation prior to this injury.
0: Yes. And, and so why are we see, doing this? You could even see in the video now that even when she goes down, she's not even really getting proper hip hinging into her hips. You know, she is, you know, she's flexing at the back, you know, and she's not really stable on the one leg when you see you're trying to go through the movement. Uh, so you can see there's not really much confidence there, you know, um, And you can just see at these movements, she's just trying to do a survival mode. She's just trying to do whatever it takes to get through that movement.
1: Exactly. That's
0: not what physical therapy is about. Physical therapy is about establishing a strong foundation because they they got injured and they had to have this surgery in the first place because they've been doing all these survival techniques because they don't know how to properly execute the movements and positions because they don't have the training. So they're just doing whatever the body can to get through it. And then after a while, the body just hits a breaking point. That's what happens. You get an injury.
1: So take me through then at nine weeks until maybe week 16, would that be when you're taking them into the AMI? Would they be doing that at week nine? I mean, could you do that at week nine where, so kind of take me through the next five to six weeks of what this athlete would be going through with you.
0: Yeah. I think we really established trying to do the first AMI at 16 weeks because I feel that, four months is enough time for them to actually understand movement where if I did a baseline AMI on them, well, you couldn't really do it earlier because you're still working on mobility and swelling and control, at least within that, definitely four to six weeks. If there's a meniscus repair, they're non-weight bearing till six weeks. Anyway, yep. so you still need to have some time for them to understand movement, get confident because otherwise the AMI is just going to show that they're not, that they can't do it, you know? Exactly. I mean, even a plank exactly. position, some of them are not very confident in even having their legs straight and going in a plank position. So um, it would just be negligible. So uh, really we try to find a point where they actually understand movement and then we could actually objectify that and get a closer look at uh, how well they're doing that and where we need to go with our treatment plan or what they need to do, you know? So those, that's really the goal for that those four months to try to establish the baseline for, these functional movements should look like what the checkpoints are you know where you know the uh the the core and the pelvis and the ankle and the knee all those alignments should be and really can they demonstrate those checkpoints with the body weight movement just under the control of their own body and then can they do that for high volume and like i said i have some some of these kids doing a couple sets of 15 and they're shaking you know and that gets better by the more they practice at home the more exposure they get to the movement and the sooner they master that movement with body weight, then we can start adding in weight and resistance or a non-compliant surface, like doing a reverse lunge with their front foot, you know, on an airx X pad or, you know, with a band trying to pull their knee in or adding weight, you know, or doing it with, the, with BFR on for high volume. So a lot of variables you could do to establish that foundation So by the time they get to your programming of doing the strength and conditioning, they can actually do strength and conditioning and you're not playing PT. Exactly. They can actually start taking these movements and doing reps and sets with the resistance and training the muscles for hypertrophy and getting strong. So their body has some resilience. So then it could go to the next phase of understanding plyometric loading and higher volume. And that's, that leads in again, where are we going at four to five months based on what that AMI shows, you know if they're stable on one leg and what the, you know, single leg impact control can we start introducing training for single leg, you know, in, you know impact, you know, what type of drills can I get them to start training that jumping so a lot of them have never had any exposure to jumping whatsoever. Right. But yet they're doing sports that require jumping and cutting. But no one's ever teaching them how to do that. So right. how, to, how to
1: land and, and, and how yeah. to control that. And so that, that would be my point. Like at nine weeks, and th- again, this is outside of my scope, but I'm just bouncing off, off of you. At nine weeks, we, I would at least want to see more single leg impact control before putting my athlete into a burpee position. Yeah. I mean, we have another story not to get down a rabbit hole, but we have another athlete that was almost I think he was 11 and a half months and was at football practice and was given 50 burpees as a as a, you know, training, you know, it it was a
0: punishment because the coach didn't like that he was injured and the coach didn't believe that it should take that much time to get back from an injury you know and that that's just negligence on the coach's part and unfortunately it's a lot of coaches are negligent on that because they don't understand what the time frame for these injuries exactly. are and the expectations are are unrealistic and they don't right. understand why so they, they need to get into facilities like what we're doing here and see more to understand why and understand tissue healing and and understand the, the demands that are required you know and, and, and what the checkpoints are to get back to that and. I mean, punishing a kid because they're injured is just, that's a whole, that's a whole nother story there, but there's a lot of problems with that type of mentality.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that it just, it blows my mind to, to really think that these, that these coaches are are not at least getting more validated. Like how about, Hey, listen, is there a note from your physical therapist? Is there, you know, like, but, I believe that the, the the athlete was taken out of the practice by the athletic trainer. So to even question the athletic trainer about that, and then to give them physical exercise when they're out of the practice for that reason, you know, yeah. it's just, it, it, it's mind boggling to, to know that that's still out there. I mean, we're on the, a couple of these different pages now and, and we're, we're, you know, we're getting asked, you know, different questions, but we're also being challenged about some of the metrics and some of the things that we're doing because, We're not shitting on the outdated stuff. We're just bringing more light to it and saying, hey, listen, there's outdated information. We have newer information. You know, we have newer technology. So we're using it. So I understand that not every athlete and every parent has access to the stuff that we do. But what would be some other ways to test some of the metrics?
0: Yeah, and I I mean, the the thing is too, is that, If what was going on was working, we wouldn't be having an epidemic of tears and injuries in youth and adolescent sports. So, yeah, I mean, we have to kind of, you know, expose that there's there's issues with what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, you know, again, if it was working, then we wouldn't be in, in this hole that we're in, but it's not. So we have to present so. You know, I think if you don't have a facility or a place around that offers a technology that we have, at least if you're listening to the understanding of what good, healthy movement looks like. And that's really what we're kind of building out with, you know, the specialist Robert Kaler and the Kaler Core Training System, you know, is is getting out these educational videos and these courses so you can understand what healthy movement looks like. It's not great to eyeball it. I mean, the testing gives us an advantage to see these metrics, but at least if you understand healthy movement, it's a step. So, you know, you can at least do a Zoom or a conference call and look at somebody move and execute, at least find those. And and it's better than nothing, you know, you know, Hey, you know, watch that knee, watch that ankle, watch that hip, you know, so there's pointers there. So it's, you know, it's better there, but I think understanding the foundation for what healthy movement looks like is the way to go. So that's, that's an option. You know, the technology is something that yes, we have it, our, you know, our, uh, advantage to use and it's probably becoming more and more popular because that's the direction we're going is technology yep. technology's everywhere so how to use it and again there's facilities that have it and don't even use it so you know now with the ability to network you can find places and find providers but again if you don't have that i think it's also you know uh getting educated about you know what good clean movement looks like
1: bingo yeah i mean again, this is this is our fifteen minute juice here, So I think we're just about at our time, you know, um, but I really, again, a lot of these fifteen minute pieces are just about just getting small doses of information to the parent and the athlete so they can digest that instead of trying to give them information through a fire hose right i mean we could sit here and you know i'm glad that you explained a little bit more about what neurocognitive is and things like that and so we got to be careful sometimes when we use a bigger word you know and we just got to break it down for the for the layman who doesn't really understand that but again this this is Ammo for the parent now to be able to go into physical therapy and, and see their son or daughter doing something and not be afraid to challenge the PT and say, you know what, that doesn't really look right. What are we doing that for? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but just because you're the surgeon and just because you're the PT doesn't give you the right to not be challenged on things. We get challenged every day. You know, we're getting challenged left and right because of the things that we're posting. So yeah. Why can't you as the parent step? It's your child. If it was my, my child or my son, you know, I'm certainly going to say, you know what, why are they doing that? Because I don't, you know, why, are they too soon to be doing that? That looks like it could hurt. You know, they're still saying they have swelling. Why do they have that? Like, yeah. but yet you still see these parents sitting back and they're like, Oh, okay. You know, no problem. Johnny will, you know, or Billy will be able to get like, what? No, yeah. like stop well, accepting this. You're,
0: you're trusting that the professional knows what they're doing. And unfortunately, there's a lot out there that don't. And it's just this broken system that's going on. Um, and any professional should be should be challenged and questioned. I mean, there's a lot of education that goes on in this facility. Spend a lot of time educating parents and the kids so they understand the what and why behind it. Otherwise, they're not going to be motivated to want to do this. You know, So if they understand the rationale and, and, and what it leads to. That'll help them. But, yeah, you should never be uh, – no professional should ever be defensive or brush you off. They should give a, a good, elaborate answer as to why, you know. And and if they're not, that's a red flag.
1: Exactly. Dude, that's your 15-minute juice for tonight. There we go. All right, man. See you soon.
0: All right.